This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. NFL Draft Week is finally upon us, and here at Saturday to Sunday, we're going to have two episodes this week before the draft, and then all our exclusive coverage throughout each night of the NFL Draft as well, and then so many recap shows after the draft over the next month or two with some of the best in the industry, the fantasy draft experts, fantasy football experts, breaking it all down. But here this evening, I want to get into final rankings on my own personal evals going into the NFL draft. Again, these evals are a holistic film perspective, nothing to do with fantasy football yet. I always am under the impression that doing rookie rankings for fantasy before the draft is a useless exercise Because as much as I may like a player, as much as I may have somebody rated higher, we need to understand that we can't have our personal biases cannot dictate our rankings if we want to be objective in terms of understanding that draft grade in terms of the, the round they're projected, not projected in the round that they go in. That matters. That matters in terms of the amount of opportunity they get at the NFL level. It matters the opportunity maybe going to another team down the line. So the round that a player gets drafted really does have significant value. And we can't just, you know, look past it because our own personal bias in terms of film analysis and what we think of a player. So I I always think it's a useless exercise before the draft in terms of making a dynasty rookie board, because I think so much will dictate based on landing immediate opportunity. You really shouldn't be looking more than a a two to three year window, uh, especially for running backs, maybe a tad longer for, for wide receivers, You know, but that's something that I think sometimes people look at too far. And I think that's where we can get ourselves into trouble a little bit. So these are rankings based exclusively on film, on evals, nothing to do with fantasy football right now. As soon as the draft is over, I will put out my dynasty rookie rankings. We'll have a show talking about dynasty rookie rankings and then. You know, some of it will match up to these rankings and a lot of it won't. It's just it's just the nature of the beast in terms of how we have to be able to adapt based on what round these guys are taking in. The opportunity and the landing spots really do dictate a lot in terms of fantasy rankings. So so let's start at the quarterback position, which obviously is one of the most hot topic, hot topic items there is when it comes to this draft. So for me. Not really a lot has changed. I will say I have made one small adjustment on my personal board. I'm not sure last I talked about him on air exactly where it was. But again, Trevor Lawrence, number one out of Clemson. Justin Fields, two out of Ohio State. And then I have flip-flopped it back to where I was a little bit earlier in the year. And I have Trey Lance third, followed by Zach Wilson fourth. And the reason why, the more I thought about this, is I was giving Zach Wilson a bump up, I think because Trey Lance didn't play this year. And when push comes to shove, 
I like the traits that Trey Lance possesses more than I like Zach Wilson's. I think his upside and ceiling is higher. I think his athleticism and mobility are more of a weapon at the NFL level than Zach Wilson. I've already said I think Zach Wilson is a Tony Romo type player, but I think I think Trey Lance has an opportunity to blend together a Lamar Jackson and a Josh Allen somewhere in that mold and maybe even be a better decision maker and a better pure passer than either of them when when push comes to shove. Uh, So I just think his ceiling is a little bit higher. So for me, Trevor Lawrence, clearly the top guy, best quarterback prospect I've studied since Saturday to Sunday. I think Justin Fields is very close. I understand to me, it's almost its own tier right there. To me, Justin Fields is very much Deshaun Watson-esque. Trey Lance now is my number three. Zach Wilson is my number four. That's my clear top of the, the quarterback ranks. I don't think anybody else should be in the first round mix. I am not naive enough to to uh, say that I and not think that Mac Jones is going to be taken. He's, of course, going to be taken. He is number five on my quarterback rankings, and I think he's a really functional average to above average starting quarterback. I'm fine with Mac Jones being drafted in the top 50 picks. I just don't think he warrants being taken third overall or even top 10 because I think the NFL landscape has changed. And to me, if you're investing a pick that high – I don't think Mac Jones, somewhere on the spectrum of Andy Dalton, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, to me, that's not what I want in a top 10 quarterback. To me, that that's the kind of guy that I'm looking to replace in three to five years because I only can get so far with him. San Francisco, if they're going to pull the trigger, they must see a lot more in him. I haven't seen that. I think the opportunity he had at Alabama surrounded with that run game, that offensive line, and those receivers really aided and, and assisted him in looking as good as he did this year. I have a lot of questions about whether or not he can translate at the next level at a high, high level. For me, number six is Jamie Newman, Georgia, Wake Forest, whatever you want to say. Never took a snap at Georgia in the game. I still like Jamie Newman. I think the the year away where he opted out is going to critically kill his draft stock. I think he's going to have a legitimate chance to be a round one, round two guy. Worst case scenario, a day two guy. I think he's now going late round three, but I still like him on pure tools to make him my sixth quarterback in this draft. I think he's got the arm talent. I think he's got the athleticism, the mobility to be that red zone prowess, that red zone weapon running on a Josh Allen or Cam Newton level. I have said repeatedly that I think if you look at Jamie Newman, Wake Forest film, it is all not, not, all that different than Cam Newton Auburn film. I think this year would have been an opportunity for him to maybe harness some of those passing skills, show that he can have the appropriate decision-making, mental processing, going through progressions, and doing it against a better level of competition that he would have seen in the SEC. I think he could have really elevated his stock. He's still number six for me, even though I know post-draft things are probably going to move around because if he's taken late in the draft, that's going to impact where I rank him post-draft. For me, my top 10 rounds out then with Kyle Trask out of Florida, Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M, Davis Mills out of Stanford, and Sam Ellinger out of Texas. To me, Kyle Trask, again, similar to Mac Jones. I think he has the ability to be a high-end backup to a low-end starter. I like Mac Jones a little bit more. I think he could be an average to above-average starter, but I don't think Kyle Trask is that far. To me, the gap between Kyle Trask and Mac Jones is much closer than it is to Mac Jones to those top four guys. 
the NFL or at least one team thinks very differently in terms of that opinion. But I think Kyle Trask is very similar to Zach. Well, I mean, to Mac Jones in terms of what he can do, traditional pocket passing quarterback, not going to do much with his legs. I think his arm talent is, is probably above average to good. So there's things to like about Trask. But again, the way the NFL is played now, that's why I think he's more of a day two guy because he's not going to make plays with his legs. He's not going to buy time in the pocket. Those are factors that are going to hurt him at the next level. Kellen Mond, there are times that he looks like Dak Prescott or a superstar franchise quarterback. There are other times that he looks like a UDFA free agent. It's all been about consistency or the lack thereof throughout his collegiate career, which is why he's not a consensus first-round pick or second-round pick. Now, there are rumors that he might go day two. We'll see. That'll, that'll be good for his draft stock in terms of getting an opportunity at the next level if he has that kind of draft capital attached to his name. Davis Mills, I struggle with Davis Mills because I see the glimpses that get people excited. But to me, he's the, he's the, old, he's the old guard, right? The old guard wanted the tall, traditional pocket-passing quarterback. That's Davis Mills. Davis Mills reminds me a lot of Davis Webb, you know, when he was coming out and the Giants took him in the third round and he never panned out. I don't see much difference between Davis Mills and, and, and Davis Webb. They have the arm talent. I think, honestly, you know, I think uh, Mills is not even as athletic as, as he was. So to me, he's a guy who's got to win from the pocket, but leaves right now leaves a lot to be desired in terms of the entire picture of winning from inside the pocket. He's got good arm talent. He shows glimpses, but decision-making consistency, the mental processing, I just haven't seen enough of it to to think he warrants being a a day two pick, but it sounds like that's where he's going. Sam Ellinger out of Texas. Listen, I like a lot. I like the leadership. I like the play strength, physicality, the toughness. He's only got average to above average arm talent. That hurts him. His accuracy is a little inconsistency, especially when you start going outside the numbers and vertically down the field. I think he's a guy, though, who could have a role in the next level, you know, as a guy who could do some running, backup quarterback. Listen, I, we've said it all along. He's very Tim Tebow-esque in terms of what he was asked to do. Obviously, Tebow much more successful at the college level. But in terms of size, play structure, you know, how he plays. I, I think they're very similar players. And then for me, rounding out my quarterbacks are Ian Book at Notre Dame. He reminds me a lot of Colt McCoy. I've mentioned that a lot. I think he's a game manager, backup type, you know, arm talent is lacking, but smart player, uh, athletic, mobility is good, can, can move the chain. So the same way Colt McCoy has made a long career in the NFL, I think Ian Book can as well. Felipe Franks out of Arkansas is 12. KJ Costello out of Mississippi State, 13. Uh, Shane Bichelle out of SMU is 14. So that's that's my quarterback ranks. Uh, again, to me, it's very top-heavy with the top four. And then obviously Mac Jones is going very high. You know, I'm a little bit more lukewarm on that. And then I think there's some interesting guys in Newman, Trask, Mond, uh, and Mills somewhat, but really for me, it's Newman is the other guy after the top five. I would say Newman, Trask, and Mond are the guys that maybe could emerge at some point down the line. I give Newman the best opportunity because of the natural athleticism. Same could be said about Kellen Mond. Uh, but I think Mond has shown for years that inconsistent nature that I feel like it's going to be hard for him to overcome. So that's why he's a little bit further down the list. 
if we take this over to the running backs, my final running back board comes in like this. At the top, no surprise, Najee Harris out of Alabama, Travis Ethian out of Clemson. They are its own mini tier for me uh, because those are the only guys that I think deserve to be in the first round. I think Najee Harris is the more complete back because he can play all three downs. I think his route running and receiving capabilities is far superior to Travis Ethian. And I think anybody who says otherwise has not watched enough film and they are going strictly by metrics and numbers. Travis Ethian was a guy that over a year and a half, about a year and a half ago said he was uncomfortable even catching the football. I don't want to hear that he went from that to being one of the greatest running backs, pass catchers coming out in the last decade or so. That's to me he's not even on the same planet in terms of as Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara coming out of the draft. And it's a, to me, it's a very short sighted statement that has very much, very minimal, you know, backing it, except maybe some numbers that, you know, don't tell the whole story to me. Najee Harris is a guy who could be a foundation focal point of an offense. So I think he sits atop there for that three down versatility, inside outside running, good pass receiver, physical tough, could be an inside runner, goal line runner. He's got the whole package. Travis Ethian, to me, I, I recently heard CJ Spiller, and that kind of got me interested. I've been saying I see some Dalvin Cook. You know, maybe he's not as tough and rigged. Uh, rugged as Dalvin Cook at times, but I think he's more physical than the CJ Spiller type. Uh, I know Lance Erland used Garrison Hurst. That's a name that a lot of people probably don't remember. I think that's a very good comp, but to me, like a more recent one, while I don't think he's exactly like Dalvin Cook, I think his burst, stop, start, acceleration, and speed reminds me of a guy like Dalvin Cook. So I think he's going to be a guy that probably lives in the world of 16 to 17 total touches. So I don't think he could be a guy like Najee Harris who probably could handle 22, 23 game. Ethan, I think, needs another guy in the backfield, at least getting some of the work, but he's still a home run threat, big time playmaker. So he's his number two for me. Next up is Javante Williams and Michael Carter, the UNC guys. I have Javante Williams three, Michael Carter four. To me, they are both guys who are probably going to be a part of a committee. They could be on the plus side of that committee at the next level. I think Javante Williams could emerge to be more of a bell cow for a team than Michael Carter. Listen, I've, I've put Javante Williams on that spectrum of Chris Carson to Nick Chubb, somewhere in between there. I don't think he's close to Nick Car- uh, to Nick Chubb, but I think he's more athletic and more upside than Chris Carson. So I, I think he is behind Harris and Ethan, but not that far behind. So Williams is a guy really intriguing. Love his pass, love him in pass protection. Good receiver, tough, physical, breaking tackles, contact balance, you know, leg drive. A lot to like about Javante Williams. Michael Carter to me is somewhere in the mold of a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a Brian Westbrook, and a Devin Singletary. He has the vision of a Devin Singletary in that and that agility. He's got the receiving capabilities and the quickness. Of a of a Brian Westbrook, and then he's got the frame and the toughness, even for a smaller guy of like Clyde Edwards-Helaire. So he's a little bit of each of those guys. I'm really intrigued with Michael Carter. I think if you have a you know a team like if you had Chris Carson, like I just mentioned him with Javante Williams, but a team that had a guy similar to Chris Carson, I think Michael Carter would be the perfect complement for an offense like that. I think he's a guy that brings a lot of versatility and, and explosiveness. I don't think he's his burner. I think some people are under the impression if, if we had the combine that he would have ran a fast 40. I don't think that's it. I think he's very quick. I think his 
cutting ability and his change of direction and agility make him look faster than he is. And his play speed is really good. Uh, so there's a lot to like about Michael Carter for me. Fifth is Trey Sermon out of Ohio state. I think a lot of similarities to Javante Williams. I think he could be a guy that could emerge and be, even though he never has been asked to, I think he can carry a heavy workload and be a foundational back at the next level in terms of leading a committee and and really having that 16 to 20 type workload. I think he has that in him based on his size, frame, play strength, physicality, toughness. But Trey Sermon's got some explosiveness to him. He's got some good lateral quickness. He can get to the outside. He's got some burst and speed to his game as well. A lot to like about Trey Sermon. My number six is Kenneth Gainwell. If you're looking for somebody who's got more speed and explosion, that's Gainwell. So Gainwell is a guy who's going to be an offensive weapon used as a receiver, uh, a returner, a traditional running back, get him the ball in space, explosive offensive weapon. I think you can make the case that there's some Antonio Gibson style there where when Gibson was coming out, we didn't really know how he was going to be utilized. We knew he was going to be an offensive weapon and used in a variety of ways. I think Gainwell is very similar to that, different body types, but I think role could be very similar. And number seven, I still have Demetric Felton in my running back list. I still think the best role for him is not pure slot receiver. I think his best role might be like a Naheem Himes uh, type role. And, you know, Naheem Hines is a guy that can do a little bit of everything, right? He can be a runner. Get him in space, change of pace, third down back, but he can do a lot receiving out of the backfield. And I think that's where he's at his best. I think Felton, while he can line up in the slot some, I think would be at his best as a receiving back out of the backfield. Get him the, you know, get him X amount of touches a game where he gets the ball in space. So I still think Felton should be a running back, but based on the senior bowl and everything you're hearing, he probably seems like he's going to be drafted as a wide receiver, but a team probably would will have lots of plans for him once they draft him. Next up, rounding out my top 10 is Truba Hubbard at eight out of Oklahoma State, Javion Hawkins out of Louisville at nine, and Jared Patterson out of Buffalo at 10. Hubbard was a guy I was never as high on as some people were last year, and now I'm not as low as some people are now. I'm somewhere in the middle. I think he could be a change of pace type guy. I like his his burst, his acceleration, his long speed, his receiving capabilities. I think he's a guy that is not going to break a lot of tackles or doesn't show a lot of play strength or contact balance. But if you ask him to be a guy who is a part of a committee and get him in space, he could be a great space back where you know you run draws to him, you run counter plays, get, it, get him an ability to get it into high gear and – he's not going to be a guy with sharp cuts to make people miss. He, he can make some, he can outrun people, but he's not that, you know, like the next guy I'm going to talk about, JVN Hawkins, different style players. They, they could both be change of pace guys that you use in space, but different styles, right? Hubbard is more linear, more explosive, north, south, but got really good speed. And I think that's where he shines. At number nine, JVN Hawkins, to me, he's much more of that jitterbug, much more, Lateral quickness, agility, change of direction, stop-start acceleration. That is how JVN Hawkins is going to be used at the next level. If he can show that he can catch the football, I'm very intrigued with JVN Hawkins. I think he could be what we wanted Justice Hill to be. And then Jared Patterson, he's another guy, really good receiving background. I think he could be a guy that's probably taken somewhere in round five and become a, a guy who's a part of a committee, maybe work his way up there. But what I like about him is that receiving capability. So that's why he sits at number 10 for me. Next up, I'll run off 11 through 15. 11 is Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech. 
a, a guy's got some athleticism and explosion to his game for for a good size player. Again, you'd like to see a little bit more in terms of receiving capabilities. We didn't really get an opportunity there, but a good player who might go higher than a couple other guys I have on this list. It sounds like the NFL is a little bit higher. Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma is definitely going higher than a lot of the guys. He's probably he has a legitimate chance to be the seventh running back off the board. Uh, you know, I think it's very likely that Ramondre Stevenson is the seventh running back off the board. To me, he's very similar to a Gus Edwards-style player, really good pass protector, can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield, but tough, physical. He's going to be a guy that I think the NFL is going to like him more than like draft Twitter, who has just been other backs at Oklahoma over the years. But I think Stevenson is a guy who the NFL is much higher on than the the draft in the Debbie Twitter community has been over the last year. Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State. He's another guy that the NFL might be a little bit higher on him. I think he's a functional runner. I don't think there's any traits of his that stand out. I think he's solid. I think his athleticism is probably in that above average to good range. I think, you know, I think he's got good play strength. But that's where, you know, I think those guys are, you see a lot of those guys every year. So to me, after the top of this draft, I think it's a bunch of average in terms of NFL caliber players who could have a role at the next level. I'm just not sure it ever becomes more than that. Larry Roundtree, same thing out of Missouri. You know, this is a guy who I, I like his toughness, his physicality. I think he's an in, in, interior inside early down runner. You know, I think that's where he lives. I don't think he's got great speed or great athleticism. He's a grinder type. I think he could have a role at the next level as well. And then Colin Hill out of Mississippi State. Very much like a Zach Moss style player, not as athletic maybe as Moss tested last year, but similar in terms of frame, in terms of how they win and and type of player. I think that's Kylan Hill. He showed he had some receiving capabilities early in this year before he opted out. That was something that I think we wanted to see. We started early in his collegiate career and then we kind of didn't see it down the stretch. So that's kind of how my top 15 shakes out. Just, I'll run through the, the next group of guys here without much commentary. Puka Williams out of Kansas is 16. I like his receiving capability very much like a JVN Hawkins style player, change of direction, agility, all that stuff. Chris Evans never amounted to the hype that he was coming into Michigan. I think there's some untapped upside there. I have him at 17. Uh, Deion Jackson out of Duke at 18. Brendan Knox out of Marshall at 19. Uh, and then Jaquan Harden out of Tiffin at 20. So this, I have some other guys ranked, but I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, you know, those guys are, are late round guys. So we'll talk more about them if they get drafted and they're in an intriguing spot at all. But like I said, I think it's very much about 15 guys that I think you're going to see guaranteed to be drafted and then sprinkle in a couple of these other guys. My top 15, I think will all be drafted uh in the first six rounds or so and then we'll see who else sprinkles in late in the draft in like that round seven range and then we'll see if there's anybody worth talking about post draft if we take this over next i'm gonna jump over to tight end and then i'll end with receiver so let's let's discuss tight end a little bit so at the tight end position obviously kyle pitts in a class of his own Best tight end prospect I've ever seen in all the years I've been doing Saturday, Sunday, and well beyond that in anything. I've been following the NFL draft closely for 30 years of my life almost. You know, so he's the best prospect at the tight end position I've ever seen. And like I said, it's not that close. Whether with Matt Wallman, Matt Wallman saying Jimmy Graham at his peak, I, I, I think Darren Waller 
but better at everything, right? More athleticism, more speed, better route runner, better hands, better body control, better ability to adjust, high point, all that stuff. But in terms of how they win, in terms of stylistically, he reminds me a lot of Darren Waller. Pat Fryermuth is number two for me at a Penn State. Brevin Jordan at a Miami three. Tommy Tremble four at a Notre Dame. Hunter Long five at a Boston College. Fryermuth is a guy I, I talked on recently on the Harris Football Podcast. I think he's somewhere like a Hunter Henry type player. I think he can be a guy. You know, I, I, listen, the Gronk comparisons are mostly based on the frame and, and what Gronk was able to do with that frame, and I, I don't think they're that crazy in terms of saying. You know, that no one's saying that he's going to have a Gronk career in the NFL, but in terms of what, you know, Gronk was offered in terms of his body type, his frame, his athleticism, I think Fryermuth is similar. I think Gronk was a little bit more athletic, and that was what made him stand out and be so unique and be such an offensive weapon. But I think Fryermuth is a guy that has athleticism for his size and frame. I think he can be very much similar to a Hunter Henry type. Brevin Jordan at you know, is intriguing. If you liked Irv Smith, I think you should like Brevin Jordan. Like to me, they're very comparable in terms of their style of play, in terms of what they should be asked to do at the NFL level. You know, I think Irv Smith was a little bit better of a blocker in space and a little bit more refined of a route runner, but in terms of stylistically how they should be used, I think they're very much quickness, good route, uh, a guy that you're going to use exclusively as a, a receiver, not ask him to do much in terms of inline blocking. Like I said, I think Jordan's got some refinement to do to get to Irv Smith's level, but I think they're very similar players. Tommy Tremble is really the wild card, just based on how Notre Dame used him. And I mentioned when I was recently on, like I said, the Harris Football Podcast, that I'm not going to, I'm not saying he's going to be this guy, but once upon a time, I totally overlooked and didn't appreciate. Uh, George Kittle enough because of what was on film based at Iowa that it, it was hard not to look at him and just say he was a blocking tight end mostly. And Tremble was asked to do a lot of blocking in Notre Dame and it's going to get him on the football field quickly and it's going to get him drafted in the top three rounds. But there's a lot of athleticism and, uh, and natural upside inside Tommy Tremble. So he intrigues me a lot as a guy who can be a much better pro than than college player in terms of production. And then Hunter Long, to me, is very much like Cole Komet. If you liked Cole Komet last year, I think Hunter Long, uh, a little bit, maybe a tad less athletic than Cole Komet, but I think stylistically very similar players. The next group for me, Kenny uh, Yebo at Ole Miss is number six. Kyle Granson out of SMU at seven. Trey McKitty out of Georgia, formerly Florida State at eight. Jacob Harris out of UCF. I have him in my tight end group. Some people might have him in their receiver group. And then Tony uh, Pauljan out of Virginia round out my top 10. Granson is very much like, you know, a H-back move tight end, but he's got really good athleticism, movement skills. He could be a guy that if used properly, I think he can be a weapon at the next level based on his athleticism and pass catching ability. Uh, Kenny Yeboah is a guy who can, attack the seam. He's got good ball skills, body control, ability to high point and adjust. I like his game. Trey McKitty, a lot of the same things uh, in terms of what I just said about Yeboa. He's another guy who I think has got some athleticism in his background. I think he played some basketball. So there's a lot to like about McKitty in terms of developmental upside. Jacob Harris is really a wild card because Jacob Harris is an athletic freak. 
So he's a guy that if he can make that conversion from wide receiver to tight end and a team thinks highly of him, Jacob Harris could catapult up my, my dynasty rookie rankings at the tight end position, like all the way into like the five range, to be honest with you, maybe even the four range, depending on what draft capital he has attached to his name. If he goes in, in round four, let's say he's going to, he's going to skyrocket and he's, and he's labeled as a tight end. He, you're going to see him skyrocket up draft boards post draft. And then Tony Pollard, good blocker. He's got some ball skills to be a red zone weapon based on his height and frame, but not much there in terms of pass catch and Billy. I expect him to be a late round pick. It's really a, a weak tight end class after you get through those guys at the top. Yeah. You got some guys who got some develop development and intriguing traits, but that's about it. And, just to go through, rounding out my next group of guys, uh, we got Nick Eubanks out of Michigan, Zach Davidson out of Central Missouri, uh, Briley Moore McKinney out of Kansas State, Pro Wells out of TCU, Quinton Morris out of Bowling Green, uh, Carrie Angeline out of NC State, Noah Gray out of Duke at 17, Matt Bushman out of BYU at 18, John Bates out of Boise State at 19, and Luke Farrell out of Ohio State at 20. A couple guys in there that are that are a little bit intriguing who have just the athletic profiles. Noah Gray's a little bit interesting. I think he's got above average athleticism. Uh, but to me, he's a guy who is going to be a late round guy. So I don't think he's going to be a guy that really develops more than to be a third tight end. Quinton Morris has got good movement skills. Pro Wells has got good, uh, Good red zone weapon, quite a lot of touchdowns at TCU. So those guys got some interesting traits in terms of their athleticism. And that's really the thing that stands out the most about these guys who will be late round guys. I think NFL looking for traits or they're looking for specific roles. Like a guy like Luke Farrell might get drafted strictly because of his blocking capabilities, you know, compared to some other guys who are more receiving guys, but maybe on the smaller size, NFL teams aren't looking for that. And that's why they take a guy who's a more traditional tight end, like a blocker, like Luke Farrell. If we round out tonight with the wide receiver position, which is, as always, absolutely loaded. So first up at the top, Jamar Chase out of LSU, Devonta Smith out of Alabama, and Jalen Waddell out of Alabama also are my top three. So to me, those guys are clearly the top three. I think all three of them should be top 10 picks. I think Jamar Chase... I think it was last week with Waltman, he mentioned very similar to DeAndre Hopkins style player with more athleticism. I think that's spot on. I think that's the best comp for him in terms of just how he wins, what style of player he is. There's a lot that Jamar Chase can do on the football field. He's been a little out of sight, out of mind, but let's not lose sight and focus of just how great and special of a player he is. Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell, I flip-flop with these. I flip-flop every other day with these in terms of who I want my giants to take. I flip flop in terms of who I like more on film. I think they're both great. I'm not concerned about their size. I'm not concerned about their frame. I've already said Devonta Smith is very Marvin Harrison, like smooth and silky in everything he does, his route running, his body control, his separation quickness, his footwork. It's all impeccable. And then Jalen Waddle, like I've said, is the closest thing to Tyree kill. So the explosion, the speed, the place boot, Play speed lives up to the time speed. He can go up and and win at the catch point, even for a smaller guy. He's got good play strength. His his ability to be a home run threat from anywhere on the football field and as a returner make him such a special prospect. After that, for me, the next group of guys I'll, I'll rattle off. And number four is Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Number five is Terrace Marshall out of LSU. Number six is Rondell Moore out of Purdue. 
Number seven is Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Number eight is Eli- Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. Let's start there. Rashad Bateman, I had a long conversation with Waldman last week about him. I think he's somewhere on that spectrum of Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, in terms of coming out of college. Those guys ended up falling to the second round. Bateman might sneak in the back end of round one. I think he should. If not, he goes round two. But I like his inside-outside versatility. He can play basically any of the three wide receiver positions and be effective. I like him in the slot as a big slot at times. I like him as the Z possession guy. But I also think he's got enough athleticism and juice that he can be the, the split-end X receiver as well. Terrace Marshall, I think if you like Kenny Galladay or you like Allen Robinson, I think Terrace Marshall is on that spectrum of player if he reaches that that ceiling. I think he's a very athletic, traditional X receiver. We don't have a lot of traditional X receivers in this draft. I think Marshall is one of the few who are going to go in the top 100 picks to be truly, you know, I think Chase is very versatile to do a lot of different things. So if you want to say he can be the traditional X, that's fine, but he could also be the Z. He can be the in, inside in the slot. But when you look at Terrace Marshall, I think he's the prototype of what we used to see as the X receiver. And I think he can win vertically down the field. I think there's still some refinement to his game that's needed, but I, I, there's a lot to like about him. I put him on that Kenny Galladay, uh, Allen Robinson spectrum, like I mentioned. Rondell Moore, I think he's got to be utilized very much like a Debo Samuel or LaVisca Chenault early in his career. He gets the ball in his hands. He's like a running back. Tough, physical, even at his, even at his size and frame. Makes people miss that stop-start acceleration, change of direction, dynamic playmaker in open space. Hasn't shown that he can win in the traditional receiving ways with consistency yet. Because even at Purdue, they manufactured a lot of touches for him. But I think he's an offensive weapon. Just like Chenault went high, just like Debo went high, I think Rondell Moore should go high because of, of what he can bring to an offense and so much versatility and be such a mismatch for so many people. Kadarius Tony, the same thing can be said about him. I think he's got... The ability to be a vertical slot receiver, offensive weapon, get him the ball in space, returner, so much to do with him. And I'll say Eli Moore, the same thing. I think Eli Moore is a better route runner than Kadarius Tony. I think Kadarius Tony offers more explosion and vertical ability than, than Elijah Moore. But I think Elijah Moore is a more fluid in terms of his route running, better footwork, better separation quickness. So it really depends on what you want. They both can get vertical, but I think Tony is more of the vertical big play threat, more better, more explosion in terms of speed. But I think Elijah Moore is the better all-around receiver right now in terms of the full package, in terms of getting open, keeping the chains moving, precise route runner, separation, quickness, footwork, all that stuff. So I like both of them. At number nine, I have Amon Ross St. Brown at a USC. I think he's got inside-outside versatility. It's nice to see him starting to go and, and get some round two, three projections now. Because for a while, I thought maybe he was going to push into day three because it just didn't seem like the NFL was high on him. But Amon Ross St. Brown, he comes really pro-ready in my eyes. He's a good route runner. I like his versatility to, to win inside from the slot or outside. I think, he, I think he plays with good play strength for a guy his frame. He's got good body control, the ability to adjust, a lot to like about his game. Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. I think the draft Twitter, and I consider myself a part of that, and the, and the fantasy and Debbie community is a little bit higher on Tylen Wallace than the NFL is. I think it's very much possible he falls to the beginning of day three, but I think he should go day two. There's a lot to like about his game. I love his ball skills. His ability at the catch point to, to play big, even though he's not big, 
has some Steve Smith in him. Not saying he's a Steve Smith caliber player, but that ability to play bigger than your size, I think Tyler Wallace has got it. He's got inside-outside versatility to be a slot, but also play on the outside as well. At number 11, I have Tutu Atwell out of Louisville. This is just straight home run threat, right? Big playability, you know, very similar to a Marquise Brown. I, I was higher on Marquise Brown than I am Tutu Atwell, but stylistically who he is and, and what the NFL is going to view him as is very similar to, you know, what people looked at Marquise Brown to be at, at the next level. Uh, one of my favorites at number 12, I have Kay Johnson out of South Dakota state. Love the small school player. I've compared him a lot to Deontay Johnson over the last couple months, his route running, his separation quickness, his footwork, his ability to create space at the top of the catch point due to that footwork and separation quickness is top notch. I think people are going to have a hard time with him. I think he can get vertical. He can win the short to intermediate, be a weapon after, you know, after the catch is a lot to like about Kay Johnson. And also the next guy from a small school, uh, Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. He's another guy. I think he's got maybe some even more vertical capabilities than Kay Johnson, but there's a lot to like about him. To me, he's more an explosive Kay Johnson's got that change of direction agility. I think Eskridge has some of that, but I think he's more explosive, maybe vertically down the field. I like his body control and his ball skills as well. At 14, I have Tamarian Terry out of Florida State. He's such a wild card because you put up Tamarian Terry's best film. He's up there with Terrace Marshall as a late round one, early round two guy. And he's another guy who I think can be a traditional split end X wide receiver he can do everything. He's got the size. He's got the frame. He's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. He's got the ball skills. There's consistency that we just didn't see. And a lot of it, I think at Florida state was based on the supporting the surrounding cast. I kind of was hoping that he wasn't going to be hurt as much in terms of draft capital. I think he's going to be one of those guys that we really got to be careful with because I love him, but I think he's probably going to go late day three, unfortunately. And that's going to really hurt where he should be taken in rookie drafts. Similar to one Equinemia St. Brown, I liked and a lot of people liked and thought he should be a round two pick. He falls to whenever he was like round five or round six. And that draft capital really hurt him ever again, a true opportunity. Uh, and I think people were slow to adjust to that in the fantasy industry. So be careful. If you've been a fan of Tim Aaron Terry, like I have for years, you got to be willing to adjust if he falls. Same thing with the next guy. I have a 15 Seth Williams out of Auburn. To me, he's part Alshon Jeffrey. You know, he's on that Alshon Jeffrey, you know, Mike Evans spectrum. I don't think he's as good as Mike Evans, but I thought when I watched his film, he reminded me of, of early career Alshon Jeffrey, who was very good. But it sounds like the NFL has more questions about separation quickness. And we've seen this, right? We've seen guys over the last couple of years who win strictly mostly at the catch point, right? We seen we started to kill Harry come into the league and fail. We'll see if he can turn his career around. We saw Laquan Treadwell. You know, we saw, Alan, you know, guys, you know, Hakeem Butler. You got to be careful with these guys. And I think the NFL is starting to become a little bit more careful with, with guys who just win exclusively at the catch point. So I think that's why I said Williams has fallen a little bit. I still like his game. Deami Brown, I have at 16 out of UNC. I think he's a guy who can can win in the intermediate to deep parts of the field. I like his ball skills, his body control, his ability to adjust. A lot to like about Deami Brown. Amari Rogers out of Clemson. I think he is the uh, prototype slot receiver, but he is built very much like a Jarvis Landry. So there's that physical nature to Amari Rogers, but he's also got surprising 
uh, quickness and speed, even at that that frame that he has. So there's a lot to like Amari Rogers. I think he's probably the one guy looking at this now that I have too low on this, that I think post-draft he's probably going to push his way. I'd be stunned if post-draft he's not definitely ahead of Seth Williams, definitely ahead of Tamarian Terry, you know, and a couple of these other guys in terms of just straight film eval on these guys. At 18, I have... 18 and 19, I'll group these guys together. I have Marquez Stevenson and Anthony Schwartz. What uh, Stevenson out of Houston, Schwartz out of Auburn. To me, these guys are all about speed, vertical ability. You can get down the field. They're explosive. They can they can win deep. They the tactical value that they bring. I like these guys. It'd be interesting to see where these guys go. Right, you know, we saw every year teams value speed for what it brings to an offense. So it'd be interesting to see uh, where Stevenson and Schwartz go. And, and how high and how much draft capital they have attached with him. At number 20, I have Jalen Darden out of North Texas. He's another explosive player, acceleration, stop start ability, cutting ability, the will, the ability to win vertical from the slot, offensive weapon. I love Darden's game. I'm very intrigued by him. At 21 to 24, Nico Collins out of Michigan. I'm just not as high on him. He's going to go way higher. So post-draft, that's what we're talking about. Draft capital, Nico Collins is going to go move up six to 10 spots probably in my post-rankings based on how much his draft capital in relative to other guys. I just I struggle with Nico Collins. I, I I get that he shows glimpses, but to me, Tamarian Terry's glimpses are better than Nico Collins' glimpses. Yeah, Nico Collins is going to go on day two, and Tamarian Terry sounds like he's going to go around five or around six. I struggle with to see how Nico Collins can be multiple, potentially three rounds better than Tamarian Terry. But he's he's got good size, he's got good ball skills, the length, the catch radius, the ability to high point and adjust, and he's got some speed for for a guy his size as well. I just come when I compare him to Terry, I think Terry's shown more at the collegiate level. Uh, the NFL seems to think differently. Josh Palmer and out of Tennessee and Cornell P- Powell out of Clemson. These are guys that don't have lofty stats in college, just based on in Palmer's situation, the offense at Tennessee struggled often, was held back by that. And Powell at Clemson was just loaded with so many other guys there that were holding him back. But these are guys that are probably gonna go. I would say round four, I guess maybe Powell can sneak in the back end of round three, but I think both of these guys go in, in the round four range and both of these guys have a lot of upside. They can, they can win vertically down the field. They got ball skills. So it'd be interesting to see where these guys go at 24. I have Des Fitzpatrick out of Louisville. He's been a favorite here at Saturday Sunday for quite some time. I think he's got inside outside versatility. I love his play strength, his toughness, his physicality. He adjusts to the football. He's got good hands. And if you just watch his fresh retro freshman film, when he played with Lamar Jackson, the best offense he played in, Des Fitzpatrick was the best receiver on the team. And it wasn't even close as a redshirt freshman. I think Des Fitzpatrick is a guy who's going to go late in the draft and could make a name for himself at the NFL level. Shai Smith at South Carolina rounds out my top 25. He's a guy very Emmanuel Sanders like. I think he's going to probably be around four pick. He's he's a traditional slot receiver. He can he, he's all about quickness, shiftiness, in and out of breaks, good route running. A lot to like about Shai Smith's game. And then I I can go on forever at wide receiver, but I'll just go a little bit further without much commentary here. At twenty six, I have Amir Smith Marset out of Iowa. I think he's an offensive weapon that can be used in a variety of ways. You know receiver, jet sweeps, screens, a lot of different things you could do with him. Daz Newsom is at 27 out of UNC. I think he's another slot receiver who can get vertical and win down the field. 
uh, just not as talented as some of the other guys I've talked about, but a guy that could make plays. Frank Darby out of Arizona State. He's got some ball skills, body control. I like him as a traditional outside wide receiver. Uh, Kawan Baker out of South Alabama. If you haven't watched him at all, try to find some film of him. He's an exciting player uh, that I think is not getting talked about enough. And then uh, Semi Fihoku out of Stanford rounds out my top 30. He's a guy that I think should have been getting a little bit more attention based on his size, his athleticism, what he brings to the table as well. Again, I can go on forever. 31, Trey Nixon. 32, Sage Surratt. 33, Austin Watkins. 34, Jamon Osborne. 35, Tyler Vons. And, and the list honestly just keeps on going. Uh, but I'm going to cut it off there because uh, I think we're talking about now we're probably going to be 30 to 38 receivers drafted in this draft. So I, I kind of took you through my top 30 there talked about all of them and then hit on a couple other guys as well so there it is our final rankings for the 2021 nfl draft we've been watching these guys for years we've been studying these guys really hardcore since last august there are final rankings going into the 2021 nfl draft if you are enjoying this please get over to the website ss football is the fastest and quickest way to get there uh, click on the premium content tab. Please check out what it offers, guys. We are well behind sales. We understand this is a hard time over the last year, but if you're a longtime listener and you want to find a way to support us to make sure we keep doing what we're doing, please consider purchasing the notebooks for $9.99. If you've purchased in the past, we hope you consider purchasing again as well. It is the livelihood. We put all that money right back into the company. It's just to really go for all the expenses from the server to the website uh, to all the subscriptions that we need to continue to bring to you guys the coverage that we do. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And I look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>